This is Haley Webb, and I once lied on Not Another Teen Wolf podcast. I could be wrong about anybody else. So don't kid yourself, kid yourself. It's you right there, right there in the mirror. You don't want to hurt yourself, hurt yourself. Looking too close. and welcome to Not Another Teen Wolf podcast, episode number 140. Today we're going to be talking about Teen Wolf Season 6, Episode 8, Blitzkrieg. And we're 10 away from 150 episodes. Of our show. Yeah. Yes, we are. That's a lot. It is a lot. It has been four years that we've been doing this. Yeah. I keep thinking, like, how close we are and rewatchable to 200 episodes. Mm. That seems crazy. But so much podcasting. (laughs) It is is quite intense. Uh, (laughs) We should maybe put something together for 150. I don't know. And if anyone has any any thoughts that... Yes. If anyone has any thoughts, as usual, you can get in contact with us at NATW Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Gmail. And our Tumblr is notanotherteamwolfpodcast.com feeling nostalgic moving on before i get emotional um let's do some quotes (laughs) shut up let's do some quotes uh natalie you had a couple to choose from but the one you stuck with yeah there's a couple that we'll get talked about during the course of the episode because i they're relevant um but the uh my favorite standalone quote from the episode was when uh, the sheriff is in the midst of Styles' room and is showing his wife all of the things about Styles. And he says, he picks up the ball and he says, he's on the lacrosse team. I mean, he's terrible, but he's on the team. And uh, yeah, it's just uh, so cute and innocent. And to throw back to my son is on the field and well, you know all all of that. You know, I hope that Styles one day does something in life that the sheriff is more proud of than his achievement to be on the lacrosse team but you know it's uh very cute yeah i loved that line too it definitely made me laugh in the midst of a pretty emotional scene actually mm-hmm. and speaking of which my favorite line for this episode was from malia when she runs into the rift and it throws her back and she just goes found it <laughs> such a simple line but like her delivery and everything and just the whole scene was ridiculous and hilarious and very Malia. Mm-hmm. So let's jump into the episode because this one was actually pretty significant for a lot of different reasons. And I know, Nat, you said last week, like, you really loved that episode. I really loved this episode. I thought it was really solid and really well balanced between the flashback and the present day stuff, which sometimes when Teen Wolf does their flashbacks, it's like the majority of the episode is a flashback. This felt really equal to me, and I, I liked that. Yeah, it, it was quite balanced. I, you know, I, I like 
flashback episodes in general because I love all things set anytime except for now, um, if you know what I mean. Um, and I felt like the, the flashbacks in this scene, like, you know, felt quite real. Like, I think, you know, they did a better job at creating Nazi Germany than they did post-medieval France, you know? Like, I feel like... I, I, I like the French episode, but this is this was... We spoke about it before that this is a period that's very easy to recreate realistically because they have, you know, so much of uh, the, you know, buildings are still similar and, and, and very accurate ideas of like, you know, costuming and, and stuff like that. Um, so I liked them conceptually. Um, it's a bit of a, the whole Nazi thing happens a lot in fiction, (laughs) Yes. It's happened a lot in fiction recently as well. Like, and, and I mean, I think it's always happened a lot in fiction, but it's happened a lot recently in other fictions. And so I was sort of totting up all the different ones that I could remember off the top of my head that use this exact same premise of that the Nazis are using some sort of supernatural or occult means to... Yeah, there's, there's quite a lot. Like, Supernatural had an episode about it this season. Obviously, Captain America is, is a big part of that with the Hydra and all of that kind of thing. But there's there's tons. Like, the like, books. Harry Potter technically has it. Like, with um, there was the, you know, the secret, and I presume that we're going to see that in, in the continuation of Fantastic Beasts. Um, the, you know, it, it's off-page canon in Harry Potter that there was, like, Grindelwald was basically contributing to the side of the you know the Nazis in World War Two, or, or there was a, a you know a wizarding war with Grindelwald going on in the cover under the cover of World War Two. so it's a very common thing to do in fiction basically like so if, if you're in this real world and looking at history and it's a supernatural world that you're writing about but it's set in this real world it very often ties in so I know some people didn't love that. Like, some people don't like the fact that it always comes back to Nazis. How, did you have any particular feelings about that? I mean, for this episode in particular, no. Like, it was fine. And I don't think that they put too much focus on the fact that he was a Nazi. It was a lot about the Ghost Rider still and what he wanted to do with them he just happened to be a nazi so i think like that helped a little bit in general i've definitely recently come to realize how often the nazi trope is used in fiction and it's i don't know it's very easy because everybody hates the nazis unless you are a nazi so it's kind of not problematic in that way that like you're making them the bad guys yeah it's an easy versus like right exactly versus like oh the russians are the bad guys but not all russians are bad guys. you know what i mean so it makes it easy in that sense but it's been done so many times and obviously for people whose families have ties to that time period can be very difficult to watch a lot of trigger warnings, that sort of thing. Luckily, they didn't really go into that at all in this episode. Like I said, they focused still very much on the Ghost Riders versus what was happening with the Nazis. It was just kind of a consequence of, of the story. But um, for this episode in particular, I thought it was used well, I mm. suppose. Yeah. 
In fact, I actually really liked the cold open for this episode. It starts off in Germany, 1943. Uh, Mr. Douglas. Do we know his other name? Did I just miss that? <laughs> no, I don't know. Okay. Um, I'm just going to keep calling him Mr. Douglas. Uh, he suggests the Nazis use the wild hunt to win the war because he says the dead do not break, uh, which I thought was actually a really great line. And the people around the table are like, you know, we're not going to chase fairy tales. And Mr. Douglas ends up killing the guy at the head of the table. And we find out that he's already an alpha at this point. He's already really powerful. So kind of a sneak peek into the origin of why he's been going after the Ghost Riders, but also into the strength that he had back in the 40s. And it was a pretty short scene compared to some of the cold opens we've gotten recently. But the reason why I liked it so much was because of the cinematography. I don't know who directed this episode, but it was really well done between the shot of the bottom of the glass with the swats cut on it and the blood seeping across the map. It just felt like a significant episode if that makes sense just from like the shots alone and it ended up being a pretty significant episode i um i will admit that the opening shot of the glass i'm like i feel like that i've already seen too many swastikas this year in the news and that it's more swastikas that i want to be seeing on a daily basis um but yeah um it, it was well done but jesus (laughs) Frickin' <laughs> Nazis. Anyway, um, yeah. It was well done. I was curious last year about how they were going to, what they were going to end up doing with this whole Nazi werewolf, because on paper it sounds a little odd. Um, it does, yeah. But, uh, with the wild hunt, with the him wanting to use the wild hunt and, like, saying, you know, the, an army of the dead... There's only, like, four ghost riders. Is there something I'm missing here? Like, does he want to get them on his side... And get them to vanish all the enemies? Or are they able to make people into ghost riders? And how does he plan to control them? Like, what he was saying about what they could do or how they could be used. I don't know. Am I missing something there? Well, lots of questions there. Um, I think to begin with, he probably does want to use them to make his enemies disappear. Uh, as far as I know, yes, they can turn other people into ghost riders. And I'm, I think there's more than four. I think there's a lot of ghost riders. Perhaps we've seen like a core group or something so far, but I do think that there are a lot more than them. And in terms of like how he's going to control them, that sort of is the question, isn't it? I mean, that's why he killed that guy, because he asked him, how do you control the uncontrollable? And Douglas didn't have an answer for that. So he can't. And I think, yeah, exactly. Like, don't question me, even though your question is perfectly valid. Yeah. Um, but we see later on, and we'll kind of keep coming back to his story, that he doesn't necessarily know how to control them. He runs away when he sees them for the first time. Mm. So it was definitely a valid question. Yeah. Bitten off more than he can chew. Just, you know, when he's like an army of the dead, I'm just, I'm just wondering, like, does it, whether that means 
you know, rows upon rows of ghost riders vanishing people or whether it's that the vanished people can become like zombies that they want to open the rift to get all of their victims out as like a zombie army. Anyway, I don't know. Uh, we know that they're not zombie, uh, like zombies in there yet, at least. But um, but yeah, I was confused. Yeah, I assume he meant army of the actual Ghost Riders. Mm. But so jumping from that cold open, we kind of pick up right where we left off on last week's episode with the sheriff in Stas's room, and he begins rebuilding the room by finding the ball of red yarn and a bunch of tacks and kind of placing it around the room. And every time he does that, something else appears. He remembers something else that was in the room and something else about his son. And I absolutely loved this because it's so simple. The camera would pan away and when it would pan back, something would be there. Like how easy is that effect? And yet it it worked so well and you could just see like the shock on the sheriff's face every time something new popped up. And even when things began fading into view, I just thought it looked really good. It it wasn't cheesy. It wasn't overdone. It was just a simple effect of like something wasn't there. Now it is. And we know the significance of that. We know that as things begin to come back into the room, the sheriff's memories continue to reappear in his mind. Yeah, and it's sort of also a throwback or a, you know, homage to the, you know, opening credits, uh, which I'm not sure if the shot is still in this season's opening credits, but they had shots like this in Styles's room before as like a heightened version of, you know, his murder board, those, those shots with mm-hmm. the strings connecting all across the, the room and the threads and him kind of plucking on the threads so I, I liked that when they were starting when he started doing it I'm like oh my god they're doing the thing the thing <laughs> and um and yeah so I I very much enjoyed it I thought it was it was really great um you know yeah I, and especially that shot of the sheriff through the clear board like that mm-hmm. is the shot of styles from the opening credits yeah so they know what they're doing there so that was quite quite cool Yeah, definitely. So (laughs) Scott's got a plan, and I love his plan because, well, I love what Peter has to say about it on a couple of different levels. Scott wants to find the rift, open it, find Styles, bite Styles, bring Styles back through the rift so Styles can give them a plan. (laughs) Um, (laughs) When that shot opened on. Holland on Lydia saying you want to bite Styles. Very few things in this show have ever shocked me more. I was like, wow. Yeah. Of all the things that I thought were going to be the plan, that was not it. Like it was not even close to being on the list of what the plan was in my head. Um, but yeah, like so it's like okay, so we go in there, we bite Styles, and then Styles will figure out what we need to do. And then yeah, and I love how Scott, who barely remembers that, you know, he doesn't know what Styles looks like. He's like, oh yeah, he's good at that. Like you know, like they just they just know that. Oh, maybe it was Malia. They just like they intrinsically know that they're apparently this is what Styles does for them. And so yeah, yeah he's the plan man. Mm-hmm. And it's just like it's so ridiculous to go through all of that just to 
find the person who can give you a plan. But again, like this whole season has been about how significant Styles is to everybody. And here we go again, like they're kind of at a loss. And it's not like any of these people are stupid and it's not like any of them can't do things. I mean, both Scott and Malia are very good at putting plans into action and Lydia is literally a genius. So Mm. they can come up with plans, but there's something about Styles' creativity that really always brings things together. He really always helps solve the issues. And this idea that they've lost that now, you know, it kind of makes sense that the season has felt a little slow in a good way, like I said before, but felt a little bit slow because they're still trying to figure out what exactly they need to do. Yeah, it's it, it was very, as I said, it was not in any way what I thought was coming, like, it, it, as a plan. And it probably still won't be the plan. I have a feeling this is not actually still the plan. But imagine if it was. I don't know, that would be crazy. Um, but I see, as soon as I heard that, though, I got super worried because I was like, he's going to die. Like, he's not going to be able to take the bite. That oh was my God. first and instinct. And Scott's going to kill him? And that's going to be the yeah. ending of Teen Wolf. Really, Karen? Yeah. Like, really? Yes. Scott yes. kills Styles by accident, is depressed for the rest of his life. Goodbye, Teen Wolf. Yes. Uh, this is Teen Wolf, okay? They've know. heard us before. I think it'll end happier than that, I would hope. But I you... hope so. But, like, what if, Natalie? What if? I don't know. You better... Uh, you better not give them any ideas. I will write a stern letter. Okay. You do that. I really can't imagine that this is... I don't know. They said it so seriously. Scott has... He's very rare to give, you know, to, to do this as a solution, but I guess. And so we... Are they both expecting to just be, like, burnt to a crisp coming back then, I guess? like they, But they know that they can survive it? Like... Yeah, I guess so. That's awful. <laughs> it's true. Like, what about all of the other people there? Like, you know, how, how many other people are there? Especially now that we have all of the relevant people in Scott's life also being taken. Which happens later. Is he going to bite all of yeah. them? Is it, like, going to be everyone wolf now? Like, shows... Beacon Hills is just going to be a supernatural community. Yeah. I don't know if... Well, one person... Huh? I, just, I don't know if this is going to be the plan at the end of the day. Yeah. One person who is not not interested in this plan is Peter because he thinks it's suicide and he decides not to help. But the thing he is down uh, for is giving Styles the bite. Oh my god! <laughs> I was just like, did that really just happen? Uh, because yeah, he says um, he was like, I like your plan, Scott. I really do, especially the part about turning Styles, which. Is he just, is Peter just a mischief maker or is it like, is this like a throwback to the time that he was like, Styles, you're a genius, I'm in love with you, let me sexually bite your wrist and Styles is like, <laughs> no. Um, so. Peter says it so wistfully in the scene. He, oh my he God. He values that boy a lot. Like he thinks he is the best of the best and for him that's, you know, a sign of that. Like him wanting to be a werewolf is a sign of that. I don't think it's just like, haha, wouldn't it be funny we're going to screw up this kid's life? He he thinks Styles is the best and so that he deserves the best and that he should be a powerful werewolf. 
it's really fucking gay. Just gonna say. <laughs> Sorry to put it so bluntly, but wow, it was there was some interesting tinges there, and I was like, ah, oh, okay. Somehow, yeah. for some bizarre reason, this is still a thing. Good, good, all right, good. Uh, I loved it. As a th- I loved it te- as a as a continuity throwback to the fact that he has wanted to bite Styles in the past because he thought that Styles was awesome. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're really bringing a lot of things around full circle mm. uh, with this final season, and I cannot tell you how much I appreciate it because that's what we live for, especially knowing that this is the last season. These are the kind of things that we want to see sprinkled throughout. You know, for a casual fan, might not mean anything, but for us who have spent years of our lives <laughs> discussing this show, <laughs> literally, it means so much. So, like, I'm really grateful that they're kind of throwing in these little these little easter eggs and throwbacks but the senior pack are not the only ones that have a plan the junior pack have plans too and plans with a z because they're cool and hip (laughs) (laughs) Um, mason and hayden found Corey's cell phone it's his relic so they know that he's missing now and this was kind of a quick scene that didn't really lead to anything else necessarily but i thought it was really cute anyway because Corey has like a hundred photos in his phone they're all of mason and Corey. it shows how much she means to him and mason you know kylan rambo very good at the tears very good at the the crying face it made me a little this guy loved me and i don't know who he is or do you think at this point they don't remember do you think at this point it's been they found the relic soon enough that they didn't actually forget him yeah, I'm thinking the more that they kind of dive into the Ghost Rider legend and the more that they're involved with what is actually happening, they do remember these people because, like, Scott calls his mom. Like, he knows he has a mom. Right, like, I, I don't think that it's as they're as easily forgotten as Styles was because they didn't necessarily know the Ghost Riders were a thing before. Now that they know it's a thing, now that they're wrapped up in finding these people and the rifts and all of this other stuff, I think it's much easier to retain that information. Maybe they begin to forget some things, but I still think Mason knows who Corey was to him. Yeah. But their solution is to lock Theo up, which is probably pretty smart to begin with, And they need to know more about the Ghost Riders. And they realize that Mr. Douglas knows all about the Ghost Riders. Well, who knows all about Mr. Douglas? Theo. So they kind of have to negotiate with Theo. And the only thing Theo wants, he doesn't even want to get out of his jail cell. He just wants them to break the sword. And he'll tell them. In the ground. Right. And he'll tell them everything. Mm. And. Hayden had a good line this episode where she was just like, I'll break the sword right in your... And somebody's like, Hayden. Liam (laughs) is like, Hayden, stop it. She was very angry, which, you know, makes a lot of sense, given her past relationship with Theo and everything that he's done. But Liam kind of weighs the options, and... he, He does it. He breaks the sword, and I think, like... Kira's really the only one that we've seen put the sword back together. And I kind of wonder what significance this has for Kira in particular, or even Nishiko, like their family. I don't think Nishiko's going to be very happy with you here. No. Here's your sword back in (laughs) 
20 pieces. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, you know, Liam is taking charge this season, and considering we know that this is sort of building up to him taking over the pack, or at least taking over protecting Beacon Hills, I like seeing him make these decisions. And in this case in particular, I don't know that he had any other choice. He needed that information. And yeah, Theo is a pain in the ass, and yeah, Theo can't be trusted, but he's an asset, and Liam is trying to take advantage of that to the best of his ability without getting anyone else killed. Yeah, and it felt a little smoother in this episode. It felt a little more commanding and like he actually knew what he was doing and that his plan was good and, you know, he's had confidence in most of his plans even if they've been bad, but this one felt like he was on the right track even though, you know, I think Theo is is probably all right. Yeah. Well, once Liam does break the sword... Theo has no problem telling them all about Mr. Douglas, which was pretty great. He didn't seem shady at all in this episode. I think he genuinely is he trying to help them. want to go back in the ground. Right, exactly. Which is, you know, fair, considering he was probably literally put through hell. So we learn, first of all, very surprising to me, but very exciting, that Mr. Douglas is a Lowen mensch. He's part wolf and part lion, which, like, oh, I was so excited when we learned this because you know that I love getting new creatures on the show. And we just assumed he was this badass alpha werewolf, but he's even badder than that. Well, it's interesting because um, the the lone mensch is a real word. Because um, when, when Danielle was live tweeting, she was like, I had to Google it to see how to spell it um, and stuff like that. And I did as well. And it was a real, basically a real thing or at least a real um, figurine of, like, a lion-headed man found in a German cave, and apparently it's the oldest known zoomorphic, like, animal-human animal type sculpture in the world, and the oldest known uncontested example of figurative art. So, like, the freaking oldest thing of a figure, an animal-man figure was Lowenmensch. So this is the original shapeshifter, kind of. Like, I don't know if that's Mm going to be the Teen Wolf legend, but in the real world, like, it was carved out of woolly mammoth bone. Like, that's... That's that's the Lowenmensch. So that's interesting. Like, they had, like, their whole, like, in that era, it would have been, like, you know, saber-toothed tigers. Like, you know, so someone was sitting around telling stories of, like, what if a man became a saber-wolf tiger or something like that? A saber-toothed tiger or something like that. And, uh... Yeah, so that's what the Lowenmensch is in history. So that's quite interesting. Um, it it isn't necessary because it isn't um, when they say part wolf, part lion. I don't know if they mean oh he's a were lion, if you know what I mean, or if he's like a werewolf with some lion qualities. You know, whether by wolf they mean you know like shifter in the same way that like Malia is a were coyote or something like that. Mm. Like if it's like oh he is a lion werewolf or a were lion or if there are characteristics of both or what the lion brings to the table, you know. Uh, yeah, and I mean this does explain why his makeup detail did look different from the others. Not only is he older and very strong, but he's not exactly a werewolf either. Yeah. So he's kind of... Himmler, during the war, used the occult 
to help win the war, which, like we were talking about before, has been a theme in a lot of different pieces of fiction. And he was part of that team. I can't pronounce what the team name was. Can you? It took me a few tries, uh, like, you know, to listen to Theo actually saying it. And it was, I think it's, um, I think it's Ananerbe, but it's, you know, it, this was a real, again, a real um, institute, you know, founded by Himmler um, under under Hitler, obviously, that was allegedly meant to be, you know, like preserving the history of the Aryan race and stuff like that. So this was a real project. I don't know if Himmler was really secretly into the occult and, like, in real life, if he was actually secretly looking for the occult. No, he really was into the occult. Like, I was trying to see how much how much um, of this tied into his real obsession with the occult. Uh, yes, he definitely did, in real life, try to make, uh, like, this research of the he- racial heritage of the Germanic people interesting with the Lohenmensch, given that it's a German relic from, like, it was found in a German cave, like, so it was from that that period, like, that area in history. In real life, he was trying to also use the occult to win the war, or at least to prove that, like, the Aryan race was, like, magically better. Uh, there's probably a lot more to it than that, but, yeah, he definitely, like, they went on all sorts of expeditions to find witches and all this weird stuff. So it's quite odd, actually, that this is a real thing that happened in the world. Uh, stable and, and normal guys, those Nazis. So uh, anyway, in, in the context of this show, I guess he was one of the people that was recruited to be part of this. Um, it also kind of ties into the... Um, the Thule Society, which, again, was a, another occultist group in real life, which has been used by... Thule Society has been used in several several fiction, fictions, including Supernatural, that were, like, Nazi occultists as well. So why? Why are there so many occultists in, in this... That, like, legitimately, <laughs> this was a thing? Like, a bit odd. I mean, they'll do anything to win, yeah. I guess. Uh, so he was part of that, and it took me a few goes to realise what Theo was saying. I'm not that good at German, and I was trying to, like, piece out the, the word, but, yeah, just to figure out if it was a real thing he was talking about, and then when we got the word, it, yeah, it was a real thing, and a little bit crazy. Theo knows, you know, a, a lot about about this history, though, like, or at least about the the... The Tank Wolf. I'm still confused as to, you know, did, was he told this by the Dread Doctors? Or was he told this by Tank Wolf at some point? Again, did, did he ever come out of the tank in that period? Because we see him going in. <laughs> yes, I was just getting some feedback from a person who is relevant. Um, which I will read in a minute. Uh, what was your question? I'm sorry, I stopped paying attention. Basically, just that... Um, the fact that we see him go into the tank and we don't know how Theo knows all this information, whether the Dread Doctors got chatty one day or whether they, um, you know, he had come out of the tank at different points or whether Theo was, like, nerdily researching behind their backs or something like that. I would assume Theo 
the type of person he is is he gathers information to use against the people around him. So I don't think that Mr. Douglas came out of the tank. I mean, maybe he did, but that wasn't the impression I got. I think Theo would have either asked about it or would have done research to figure out who he was. He seems to know a lot of information, so maybe the doctors were like, this is how we know this thing. I mean, the doctors didn't really seem too chatty to begin with, but like, I don't know. Maybe they were having a good day, and over a cup of tea, they explained who Tank Wolf was. Could be. I mean, the fact that he knew who Theo was, that we know that he knows that, I'm still confused. Like, was he conscious in the tank? Could he see out and be like, that little brat never let me out of here, now I'm going to kill him? Or whether the tank uh, wolf was... Why? Like, was he in there at his own request? It really didn't seem like he was. But it, they were... No, I don't quote, think quote, so. ...helping him, like, what, what was going on? Yeah, I don't think that he was in there of his own request. I mean, okay, let's let's get to that point because basically what happens is they find a rift and Mr. Douglas makes this guy pass through it and everything seems fine at first except, oh my God, no, it's not. Green flames erupt <laughs> around this guy and he dies. Mm. And for those of you who watch Once Upon a Time, Kristen and I, and maybe even listen to our podcast once, but Kristen and I were like, hey, better CGI than Once Upon a Time. So, so they that was hilarious. They do really bad. Oh, yeah. And especially when they were doing the Hades stuff, it oh, was just. Hair. Oh, it was. It, it, it pained my soul. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Um. um but I really like the color of the green flames a Would lot. Would you rather walk through the rift and burn up or get shot by the Lowenmensch? Get shot by the Lowenmensch? Like, what? If that guy oh, knew he was like, gonna... if I decide... I mean, definitely get shot. Yeah, like, why... I understand conceptually because it's the army and you're meant to do mm-hmm. what you're told and stuff. But, I like, it's like I'm pointing a gun at you go and die or I'm gonna kill you you know well he didn't know he was gonna die that's the thing like they didn't know what the rift was necessarily going to do I suppose but it was pretty pretty clear that they thought that there was a a deadly risk anyway um I suppose it's like certain death or like not quite certain death I guess yeah true true well, so that guy dies. The ghost riders come out and start taking people away. And Mr. Douglas gets hit by the whip and runs, basically. Like, we're thinking that this guy is sort of all-powerful, but even he's afraid of the ghost riders. And it goes to show, like, how do you control the uncontrollable? Even he doesn't know. Yeah, so... this is a very bad plan, honestly. I don't know how we thought yeah. this was going to work. Like, hey, we're going to, he... you know, do what we say or I'll shoot you. And the ghost rider will be like, no. Like, yeah. I mean, they shot them like a thousand times and nothing, nothing happened. Yeah. So this is why Mr. Douglas goes to the Dread Doctors to begin with. He thinks that they can help him, but they end up just locking him up instead. So I really don't think that it was voluntary. It didn't seem that way. They were probably just like, hey, you're interesting. You know, maybe they haven't seen a Lone Mensch before. And they decide to just kind of keep him to study him. So they do stick him in the tank. And this is where he becomes Tank Wolf. And the interesting thing here is that 
the wound from the whip wasn't deep enough to take him, but it did infect him in the same way that it infected Chris. And his wound ends up infecting the liquid in the tank. And so over the course of 70 years, he absorbs that power sort of like when you take small doses of like venom and it kind of builds up your immunity to it. It makes him stronger. So not only is he an alpha, not only is he a lone mensch, but he has power of the Ghost Rider as well. What power? Like They never said. Um, but it must have been some sort of maybe immortality thing. Like, that's the only thing I could think of. Did they just hang out with the tank or did they use the tank? I thought that they used the liquid from the tank in their experiments. Did I they did. That? Like... No, they did, and that's what helps keep them immortal. Hmm. So maybe that's why Mr. Douglas is still pretty. Yeah. I'm not sure. It's gross. Yeah. Well, either way, at the end of the day, Mr. Douglas still wants to control the Ghost Riders because he wants his own personal supernatural army, to take over the world or something. What they don't for? Yeah, like, what, but... what does he want exactly? Like, what power? Does he want to rule America? Or, you know, like, I don't understand. I, I mean, that's because we are normal, good human beings who have no world domination dreams. Yeah. So, kind of um, hard to understand. Yeah. Uh, all sorts of strange things. Like, did he, do you think that he travelled to America in the tank? Or do you think he found the Dread Doctors already in America? Like, did he run across the seas with with those wounds, you know? How did mm. they end up... How did the tank get to Beacon Hills? How do you ship that, you know, like, how, how do you get away <laughs> with getting that into place? Um, anyway, anyway. Um, <laughs> those are logistics to discuss another day, because <laughs> now I'm like, I wonder if the Dread Doctors, like, paid people to, like, smuggle Tank Wolf into the country and like dread doctors knowing anything about money like they like they don't they seem very insular you know yeah maybe they just bullied people into doing it yeah Hmm. um well really quick well i wanted to ask you first what did you think of his german accent to my ears not bad i don't know if to a german speaker's ears it would sound bad or not but to me it didn't sound bad i agree i thought that it was really subtle which i think is actually a good thing because if it had been a really strong one i think it would have sounded over the top it um, sounded but very realistic to me in terms of other people from um you know germany and austria and switzerland and that area um that accent speaking english in real life, like, it sounded very similar to people that I have met and heard in real life, um, you know, who are normal contemporary German speakers, you know, speaking English, so. Yeah, well, the reason why I ask is because uh, one of our friends on Twitter, Gwendolyn, she's German, and I've been talking to her about a lot of, you know, real-world things, and um, one of the things that came up was nazis in pop culture and we were talking about that and hers german like what she thought about that and you know she agrees like it's it's really overdone but because she's also a team wolf fan we were talking about okay what do you think this episode is going to be like and she was a little worried and so when it came out i 
was literally just talking to her and I was like, I have to know what you think about this episode so I can read it out on air. And this is what she said. I'm, I'm pretty happy because she says, I'm happy to say Jeff didn't disappoint me with Tank Wolf. I think the accent changed a little because I asked her specifically about that. Last week with his two lines at the end, it was a little stronger, but all right. This week it felt like he toned it down, especially in comparison to the guy he killed in the cold open. But overall, I was very happy. The German words like um, Wunderbar and Schnell were pronounced correctly as well. I didn't understand Lowen mentioned first, but that's okay if you're not used to umlauts. Yeah. So... Thumbs up, I guess. Um, I but sounds, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, we were talking about German accents too, and how like sometimes they're just really overdone and ridiculous. And of course, that's coming from me, an American. Like, I don't necessarily have a lot of things to compare that to. But as a German, she's like, sometimes it's just friggin' awful. Mm. Uh, so good to know that Teen Wolf did a good job in her eyes. Mm. So yay, thank you, Gwendolyn, for weighing in on that. Okay, so let's move on to <laughs> everybody being taken by the Ghost Riders. Uh, this episode was kind of intense for that, actually, because first Mason is taken. And it's kind of a quick thing. It just sort of happens. And it's sad, but they move on pretty quickly because then Hayden is captured by one Ghost Rider and then the second. Which, by the way, when that lightning came through the window and he sort of appeared out of the shadow, terrifying. Yeah, I everyone, everyone's everyone's gone. Everyone's taken. Yes. <laughs> and Hayden, the scene between Liam and Hayden, I don't know how you felt about it. It was a little drawn out to me because there was a lot of like looking back and forth at each other. But the and that was kind of realizing that the second time I watched it, the first time I watched it, it was so perfect because you can tell that she's weighing her options. She knows there's no chance. The only chance they have now is for Liam to get away and go warn Scott about Mr. Douglas. And so she sacrifices herself for him and he doesn't want to leave her, but he kind of sees the bigger picture here, which for Liam is a very big deal. And again, I think he's slowly becoming this leader that Scott knows he can be. And it was nice to see it in the scene. Yeah. Um, I, I felt like, okay about this. Hayden, I still, I'm still unsure about her. She just always looks so angry and I don't know how I feel about that. Um, <laughs> she kicked ass in this episode though. She did all those cool flips and like yeah, really she liked did. it. When they were fighting together against against it. But um yeah. yeah, I mean that whole um you know, letting themselves, you know, get taken so the other can get away. I don't know, like it's do you think that everyone who got taken is gonna make it make it home? I would I mean, literally everyone, maybe not, but I think, like, it's got to be the majority of them. It's got to be, like, 99%, if not 100. I mean, at this point, like, they took kind of, other than styles, they took characters that don't mean too much to us. I mean, Peter, yeah, would be sad, but, like, if Peter died, the whole show wouldn't collapse. Like, styles, Yes, it would. <laughs> 
come on. Look. Um, or like Corey, you know, even yeah. Mason, like it would suck, but not a huge deal. But now they're taking like literally everybody. And so they've got to come back somehow. Mm. I-, I did. I did. Oh, hold on. I have one more. <laughs> so, um, Gwendolyn just messaged me again and says, oh, by the way, I loved the files on the table with the word, I can't pronounce this, I'm sorry, Acton, in big letters on it. That just translates to files. So that was funny. A file <laughs> telling you exactly what it is. <laughs> sounds like, sounds like the Donald Trump press conference. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I bet there was just blank paper die. in there, too. Oh, my God, we're all going to die. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh. <Yes>. Ooh. <sighs> <laughs> anyway, carry on, carry on. Okay. Um, the Macrissa also have a dramatic scene of getting taken. Yes. Yeah, so... <laughs> Leading, this was actually kind of interesting leading up to this because Chris and Melissa go and find the dead ghost rider and these two are getting paired up so often now. And I mean, I'm not complaining. I really like them together, but I'm kind of like, what, what is happening here? Like, are they always together? Or does he just swing by our house and be like, hey, yes. dead ghost rider, want to jump in? I'm so sure that because of Claudia, because of this universe where everyone thinks Claudia exists that in their minds or in their history, you know, they've, that, that Stalinsky hasn't been around them that whole time, that they've been helping the, the kids do supernatural stuff together for way longer than the sheriff has been involved, you know? And so it's kind of like, all oh, it's each other has got, and then Alison died and stuff like that. But it's interesting because there's, like, with, with, with Claudia, like, you know, we learn later that, you know, this lot, like, oh, if you actually think about it, people don't remember. So it is interesting that they're now paired up um, you know, with this alleged history that is different because it, if that's not what it is, it has come out of nowhere. I had a logical explanation. I don't know if the logical explanation still flies. If it doesn't, it is like a lot very fast for this to be a legitimate real world thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, cause like we keep saying, like reality hasn't changed mm-hmm. just because Claudia is there you know, we we see in this episode in particular that the sheriff can't remember past experiences with her because they didn't exist, because reality hasn't been changed. Mm. So the fact that these two are pairing up more often, it could just be a consequence of Melissa not hanging around Sheriff as much because Claudia is there, and so she's hanging around Chris or, you know, whatever. But... It is very interesting, uh, but I also like it, like, not even from a romantic or a shipping standpoint, but the fact that these two parents um, are helping each other and helping the kids, and they're kind of on their own mission, and from the beginning, they've been kind of going after the people who have been killed by getting their heads crushed, and of course, Another reason why Melissa is there is because she is a nurse, so she can check out the bodies and kind of see what's happened. And we do find out that, of course, we saw it, but they find out that Douglas took the pineal gland so he could use the whip from the Ghost Rider. So he does have, that did give him the power of the Ghost Rider, which is pretty interesting. But what... 
But what can he do with it? All he can do is vanish them to a train station. Or can he, like, or does he, does, if he does it, if Douglas does it himself, do they go somewhere else or do they become his slaves or, like, what? If he can use the whip, so what? Like, you know, like, he, all he's doing is sending the people to the same place the Ghost Riders do. Is he? Or, or is there something else? I mean, I think he is. It does, it definitely gets them out of the way. So that's helpful. Is what, yeah, but is what he wants to, to use those people to, that he's cracking to make the army? Or is this just his way of getting rid of them or kill, you know, quote unquote, killing them? Oh. I mean, if it adds more people, then yeah. Kind of know. two birds, one stone kind of thing. I was just thinking too, like, he's eating these glands and we still don't really know why he's eating the glands. I mean, of course, the one with the the ghost rider has a very significant purpose, but the guy that he killed before and the other people that he killed, we still don't really know why he's doing that. And also from back in the beginning of the season, he was having trouble breathing. He needed those tanks. We haven't seen that since then. Is he getting better? Is he over that now? What, what happened? I, okay. Parish and the tank. I was like, I don't, I don't know. I had a mental blank. When did well, not tank? that tank. Oh, sorry. The the was it the helium or the hydrogen? I Which was know. that? I don't know. Too many tanks. Was, yeah. Was too many tanks. The tank wolf loves his tanks. He does. I don't know. Still, lots of questions with him is basically what I'm saying. But he does. He wants to find a hellhound, so he gets. Melissa and Chris to help him and they take him to the tank where Parrish is. This we've seen Parrish in this tank before. How did they know that he was there? Yeah, I was and say, why is he was in there? This just this wasn't just me. Like this wasn't I was like, where the freaking hell is this tank come from? Like did we see him going to this tank in the last episode? How did they know he was there? Is this Parrish's like secret tank where he hangs out? Like, does everyone know that this is where Parrish sleeps, like a vampire in a coffin? I I I felt lost, and I'm glad that it was not, like, I just didn't, like, look away from the screen last week and missed the part where he climbed into, into the tank, because I was like, why? No. Is this something we're meant to know about as continuing canon, this tank, or is this meant to be a mystery? Well, we've seen this tank before. When? You remember that? Yeah, kind of, but when and why? With Gerard. With Gerard, when we found out that Parrish has the spirit of the hellhound in him and that the real parish is technically dead, but was like saved by the hellhound taking him over. And so we, we've seen him in the tank then. And especially, I wonder if he goes to the tank when he can't trust himself. Like he kind of locks himself up when he's like, uh, hellhound is getting, you know, a little bossy and, we're going to just chill out for a while until I can get control back. Because he knew he was taken over by by the Ghost Rider, and he ran off, and he said, don't look for me. And I guess Chris probably knew that if he was worried about losing control, he would he maybe put himself, himself in the, in the tank. tank. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm getting you. I don't so- know too many tanks i'm getting muddled yeah yeah (laughs) but chris and melissa are both taken in this episode and i don't know about you but i was convinced chris was gonna die like dead not taken like 
I felt neck that about broken or something. I felt that about Peter in the next next bit. I thought yeah, I thought it about both of them. I was really worried for Chris. Yeah, the way that he like hugs Melissa and the way that she you know he gets taken and then she's kind of like just standing there and what does she say? She was like just crack the whip like she knows that. Yeah, it, I was just like wow, this is really. I don't know. They really feel like they're in love, Karen. <laughs> I don't know how to feel about that. You feel pretty great about that. I like Macrissa. I don't know how Scott's going to react. Do you think Scott knows about Macrissa? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> or, like, you know, Sheriff, when um, he realizes Claudia was is fake, like, you know, like, say next year when everything's back to normal, and he's like, hey, remember that time my wife wasn't alive? Um, I, I don't know, um, you know, whether, you know, season 6B is just going to be, you know, Argent and Stalinsky fighting it out for Melissa, or if Stalinsky's going to be so scarred by the memory of his recent wife, of, like, knowing for a fact that he was just living with his wife for, like, you know, six months or whatever, and that she wasn't real, it's going to, like, ruin his potential. Like, it took him however long to get over the wife. Right. You know, and now it's going to take He still wore his wedding ring. ring. You know, yeah. Yeah. That's true. It's a good question. So, I hope not. We'll Although now I'm conflicted because I like Melissa and Chris too. So like, <sighs> I don't know. Um, but okay. Speaking of the sheriff. So the sheriff brings Claudia into Styles's room and as soon as she walks in there, everything disappears. And she says, Noah, which, by the way, is still very hard for me to, like, in my recaps, to be oh like, Noah God, says. So I'm like, up on this. It's like what Stolinsky. I just, yeah. it feels weird to call him Noah. And not even from, like, a, I don't think that's his real name kind of thing. More like a, no, it's like, you know, you call your friend's father Mr. Whatever. I feel like you I have to call Melissa, him. Melissa, Melissa. And we call Chris yeah, but it's Chris, Melissa. even though he doesn't call himself Chris, he calls himself Argent. And Jeff calls him Argent. Like, no one at production calls Chris Chris. We're the it's only different. people that call Chris him Chris. It's oh. different. Okay. It's not different. I just, I don't know. Anyway, okay, so she says, Noah, there's still nothing here. And he says, you're here. And so he kind of goes on this whole spiel about, like, I don't remember your birthday last year. He can't remember things that happened recently. And he has this picture of her on her last good day uh, where he, she's in the hospital and young styles is sitting there with her and it's right before she died. And he kind of goes through all these memories and they're telling two stories two different stories that parallel each other where he says like she's getting sicker and and she's saying oh but i got better when you closed your eyes you died and when i closed my eyes you know i was fine like everything was fixed and as this is happening she gets blurrier and blurrier at first i thought it was my eyes because it was only like around her torso like near the bottom and then eventually it keeps like crawling up and up until basically her eyes and just a small portion of her face are clear. But again, like such a simple effect and yet so effective. I really liked how they did that. I'm still not sold on whether she was evil or believing her in truth. Yeah. Apparently this is not something that has been confirmed yet. We are not meant to know whether she was evil or 
or believing her own truth. So I I'm now leaning toward believing her own truth. I was right to the end of this scene. I was like, oh okay, um, I get you know okay, I'll believe that um, in this scene. But I don't know if I've just been duped, you know, or whether she was cal- you know was evil and was knowing about about Claude uh, about Styles and you know was there not of not necessarily just to his power. Um, you know, we, we talked about the fact that the Banshee allegedly conjured her own son and that th- this is what was apparently done for Claudia, despite Sheriff Stalinsky's total lack of supernatural powers. We don't know if it's just the power of the mind. You know, and the fact that she vanishes when he remembers Styles makes sense on either level, whether she's of someone else's creation or his. You know, just the fact that, oh, he's remembered, he's seen through the illusion would cause it to, you know, f- vanish, regardless of how it was created. But I am still curious about whether it's evil or not. Yeah, I'm excited to find out, though. I mean, if there's more to be said or not, like, that could be interesting. And I don't know, maybe it was believing her own truth now, but if for some reason she's able to come back, she could play a more significant role depending on, like, if the Ghost Riders, you know, if it is just the power of his own mind or if the Ghost Riders being around, just like in that town where there was, like, leftover energy, if that assisted him in doing this, if the Ghost Riders continue to stick around, perhaps she could come back in a bigger way. Mm. Always a possibility. But at the end of this scene, Sheriff sees a blue light, and we kind of don't realize until later what it means, but we'll get into that in a minute. But in the meantime, Mr. Douglas ends up confronting the senior pack down in the tunnels when they find the rift. And he tries to convince them, hey, the hellhound, you know, Parrish, who he can now control, can open the rift and we can all go through it. And they're like, mm, maybe. And Liam arrives and is like, no. Uh, you know, he... <laughs> Well, you tell this line well, because we're, this is just, one of the ones we were talking about before. Yeah, it's just you know the fact that he want he's down there and, and wants to team up, and I don't really know like are the are the other pack members his uh, direct enemies? Like is you know what does he want in general? We don't really know. Um, the point is they want to go through the rift together, or they you know he wants them to go through the rift together, um, and they're like, why would we help you? You're a bad guy. And he says, good guy, bad guy, when has anything ever been so black and white? And Liam, who overhears this, is like, World War II, mate. He's a Nazi. <laughs> he doesn't say mate. That was my addition. I wish so he had. Know. I wish uh, he had. <clears throat> and just as a comeback for when has anything ever been so black and white, uh, like World War II, he's a Nazi, as a comeback to that, is so beautiful and so relevant in this <laughs> cultural climate. And I was just like, oh... Liam, this is my favourite thing that you've ever said. Um, yeah. So, aside from I fell in a hole. Um, so... His greatest legacies. <laughs> yeah, um, so I was really happy for that, and just, I'm happy for any any subtle dig that any contemporary TV show gives to the, the wishy-washiness of, oh, you know, these points of view aren't that bad, uh, and, you know, throwing back to, yes, yes, they actually are and we have experienced this before so i appreciated that bit of realness um but again like i don't really know like like 
this 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 whole muddle ensues basically, like in that you know, he's there, he wants to open the rift, he's got Parrish, he's like, You can come through the rift with me. Ghost Riders come, the Ghost Riders are fighting the pack. Are the Ghost Riders also fighting Douglas on the other side, or is you know, does he think that they're all in it together against the Ghost Riders? Is he okay with them just going in and getting their people? And he's like, okay, you just take them and, and, like, I'll have the rest for my army. Like, that's fine. Like, what was he expecting to happen if they all went through the rift together? I don't know. I wonder if the Ghost Riders can even recognize him as what he is, since he has the power of the whip and of the Ghost Rider. He's controlling a hellhound. Would they just be like, oh, okay. Oh, one of us. Hey, bro, like, maybe <laughs> he could walk right by them and they wouldn't even flinch. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I just don't understand what he thinks is going to happen and still don't understand what who he's planning to control, like, whether it is the Ghost Riders themselves and that they will be, he will be like, hey, zap that guy, zap that guy, or whether he can transfer, yeah. transform all of the people it would take and into some sort of army as well. Or what I was Riders. curious... Yeah. What I was curious about was why the Ghost Riders were trying to kill Scott and Malia versus just take them. Because, like, that's obviously a big change for them. I don't know. Maybe they couldn't take them, or maybe they knew that they were trying to stop their nefarious deeds. Or maybe it's, you know, Douglas on the other side with the whip, you know, with the powers being like, hey, kill that guy. Yeah. I figure maybe they're just being such a big pain in the ass that the Ghost Riders are like, look, we're done. Like, we tried to take you, we tried to give it to you easy, but now you're over. Yeah. And, um, that would make sense. Um, I'm assuming that's going to be explained given that they actually asked the question. Like, hey, I think they're trying to kill us. Um, yeah. You know, as opposed to us just being left to figure that out. Right. But also, okay, well, first question, were you surprised when Peter came back? At that very moment, I was like, how did he know where they were? Yeah. <laughs> I've just been following them, looking for his he, moment to help. He also followed their desperation. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, like, I, I was surprised when Peter came back. Not that he did came back, but because I kind of had forgotten about him at oh, this point, and things nice. were so crazy. I know. Things were so crazy that... I didn't expect him to come in and save the day. And when he did, I was like, oh, yes, of course. Like, he's willing to do anything for Malia. So this makes total sense. I, like we were saying before, I was really worried that he was going to die here because I... Fully, I, I fully thought he was yeah, going to die. Yeah, and, like, I didn't think that you could be taken twice. I thought maybe, like, they were just like, well, you escaped. Here's your punishment. And they actually kill him. But yeah. he is taken again. And that slow-mo, like, head tip... That he does to Malia. Pure Peter. Yeah. And I loved it. As soon as he came in around the corner, I was like, oh, this is it. Like, he's going to die now. Like, this is, he's going to yeah. die the hero's death. And, like, you know, and it was like, why aren't you running? But no, he's just taken again. Like, I don't know. Like, do you think he's going to get a second chance again? Or do you think he'll die in the the whole eventual, mm. um, you know, getting them out? I'm, I'm kind of worried. I really am, because I think he's a good character to kill off, to be frank, because he was bad before, he's good now, and to finally redeem himself to die for somebody, especially his daughter, would make a lot of sense, so yeah, I wouldn't would, be surprised. It would, whatever. 
I don't want it. I would love to see Peter stick around and be like Scott's beta. Like, that would be hilarious. And just be really grumpy about it forever. Yes. Just because he's always grumpy. Yeah. (laughs) But while all this is going on, Lydia and Liam try to get out of the tunnel safely and they come upon a ghost rider and I friggin' loved how Lydia like moms Liam and like puts her arm out <laughs> in front of him and like kind of pushes him behind her because I mean out of the two of them he's the stronger fighter he's mm-hmm. a werewolf but, I mean she's got her own powers and her own skill set but like she just wanted to protect him And at this point, she didn't necessarily know the effect that she could have on the Ghost Riders. And I just love the way that he's like, yes, hiding behind her. And it's like, "Um, can we get out of here? But that is what happens. The Ghost Rider puts his gun down. And Liam goes, he's afraid of you. And Lydia goes, I'm afraid of me. But it turns out later that it, it wasn't fear. It was reverence that the Ghost Rider was feeling for the Banshee. And I wanted to know your take on that. Why would the Ghost Rider feel reverence for a Banshee? What is the connection there between them? I I really don't know. Um, And why haven't they acted like this around her before? Or has she not been faced with one? I don't think she's been face-to-face with one like this. Um, I'm trying to think what about her, her powers could be tied into the Wild Hunt. Did they ever talk about, like, in the episode when they went to Canaan, did they ever talk about the, um, uh, like, the Morrigan? Like, I feel like she she talked about that, like, as a a banshee thing. Um, But, I don't know, it feels like it could be, like, that she's maybe there, like, meant to be there... All that banshees, you know, are the kind of thing that would have gone with them in in the traditional times, you know, maybe as like a a queen or a priestess or something. Like it, it, the whole what they can do all seems quite tied together, you know. Like is it so? Maybe the banshee could be control. Like maybe a banshee could be controlling the ghost riders, and so therefore banshees are kind of like off limits. Yeah, I really... I don't know. Because I kept trying to, like, wrap my mind around this because I was so convinced that they were afraid of her because of her powers because maybe she has the ability to send them back to where they're going or maybe she has the ability to open the rift, but that's the thing. Like, they're not afraid of her. They respect her. And maybe there's a little bit fear in there because of what she can do, but if the majority of the feeling is reverence, there's got to be a reason why they sort of, they won't touch her. It's not even a question. You know, they they obviously want to get Liam, but they're not about to go through Lydia to do that. Um, I feel like if there is another Banshee, that could make a lot of sense, because that, I, I think, I feel like this whole conjuring people is not the control of the own of their own person. And yes, the other person who we saw with a conjured person was um, a banshee as well, but that maybe is just a coincidence. If there is like a banshee queen conjurer somewhere, I feel like that this is all stuff that's like a mastermind could do, you know? Yeah. 
Maybe it's dark that would be interesting. in the universe, and they think that she's like the she's their actual <laughs> boss. Oh my god! Could you imagine Dark Lydia? I would. I would like to see Holland do that. Hmm. that I don't know. If, cool. I don't know if there's going to be room for that kind of storyline in this, no. <laughs> this show. But you know, yeah. jokes. It's Meredith. Meredith yeah. comes back. Oh she's really god. the big bad of yeah. all of Teen Wolf. Yeah. I believe. Um. Well, once everyone gets back home, um, Scott keeps trying to call his mom, which is like, it was kind of a rough scene because Scott is ever the optimist, but right now he feels very lost. Luckily, the sheriff comes in and drops a bomb. (laughs) Now, we watched this episode before we ever even knew that Styles' name was going to be revealed. So, I don't know how you yeah, felt there was about a little, the whole I, thing. I feel like some people seemed to know that this was coming. Right. I had no idea, and let me tell you, this might have been one of the best experiences watching Teen Wolf for me, because, for one, it didn't feel like an episode where we would necessarily get Styles' name. In hindsight, the fact that the sheriff is remembering his son makes sense, but also, we were so convinced that we would see his name written down on something. Like, that was a fact like in my mind. Passing. Yeah, yeah, that was just a fact in my mind that I never expected it to be spoken. And so this just blindsided me. And I loved every moment of it because there was no expectation there. There was no buildup. Like, when they were rifling through the registration for the Jeep, I was like, oh, my God, it's coming. This is it. This is it. And obviously, it never ended up happening. Here, I was just, you know, passively taking in the show. And all of a sudden, we get Styles' real name. And I'm like, oh, my God, that just happened. And it was just a really great experience, like, interacting with the show like that. I don't know how you felt about it, but it was, like, kind of a big deal for me. I really loved the way it was done because it it was still done as incidental. It was still said to the group in a way that was, like, everyone knew this off camera, if you know what I mean. Like, like I like I don't... Like, I, I think 100% that, you know, Scott, Malia, um, Lydia, like, everyone close to Styles, you know, Melissa... They know his real name, just no one uses it. Mm-hmm. They all know it. It wasn't like they discovered it for the first time. And obviously right now it's that they're, you know, they don't remember because they're getting the memory back. But, you know, it's obviously something that everyone knew. You know, it wasn't going to be a surprise. It might have been for, like, I don't know, Coach. Not Coach, because we've already had the gag about Coach. It might have been the gag for, like, Liam or something to be like, that's his name, if you know what I mean. But... Uh, not for the the main gang. I would 100%, you know, they've probably had to book tickets to stuff together, you know, you know just all of their right. standard life. I, I know that they know his name. So I like the way that it was incidentally done. Like, it wasn't like people were like, what? Like, it was, it was still incidental, you know, spoken amongst a group of people that all knew it as fact, or at least, well, they suppose they don't in that moment. But... But yeah, so it kind of had the same effect, but more because it was we're showing the sheriff like actually remembered everything clearly. Right, and and when he he just comes in and he goes, and I'm gonna mispronounce his name, but I'm gonna do the best that I can. He comes in, and he says, "I have a son 
His name is Mieczysław Stalinsky, but we call him Styles. Mm-hmm. And it was it was so simple. Again, like this episode was all about the strength of simplicity in the way that they presented things. And he kind of explains the backstory here. You know, Styles couldn't say his name when he was younger. The closest he could get was mischief. So his mom called him that. Again, throwback to the reason why Lydia drew Styles over and over again in the shape of the word mischief. And they keep doing that. They keep linking things back to the earlier clues and we're putting the pieces together. And this season in particular just feels even stronger because of that. I'm really enjoying what we've gotten so far. And it's only episode eight. We still have a whole bunch more to go. So I have really high hopes for the rest of the season. Yeah, but I mean, do we know like how many episodes are going to air? Like, is there going to be a short break after episode 10 or, or, or what? Is there any schedule? Uh, we we haven't heard anything specifically yet. Okay. Initially, it was supposed to be 20 episodes straight through, but given that we've already taken a break and given kind of scheduling things that we've seen, I'm wondering if there is going to be a break. So we'll just have to stay tuned after episode 10 to see like when they say the show's going to be coming back. Yeah. So after all of that, he also, the sheriff also lets them know that for just a moment, he thought he saw Styles, And this is kind of tying back to the blue light that we see um, once Claudia disappears. And they come to the conclusion that the sheriff, by remembering Styles, started to open another rift. And if they can open a rift if they can all remember Styles, remember every detail of his life and his relationship with them personally, together they can open a rift and perhaps they can get him back. And I okay, think that this so is they really can interesting. The rifts with with memory. Yes, which makes sense because there's strength in remembering people just like they saw like the library card was blank when they found it. And then as they remembered things, it kind of came back. Mm. And we saw the picture and the name, and it helped kind of fuel that. So if they continue remembering Styles, perhaps they can bring him back, or perhaps they can open a rift where they can go find him. Now that light in the bedroom was blue versus the green that we've been seeing, so I'm wondering is if this like is safe? like... Pure, yes, that's what rift. I'm like. That's what I'm wondering. Like, yeah. will they be able to go through it? Will people be able to come out of it if they can if it's remember like a pure, them? Safe, beautiful rift. Yes. Yeah. I hope so. Potentially. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I'm also wondering. Again, I didn't see the trailer for next week yet, but I'm wondering if it's going to be all about remembering styles and if we're going to get flashbacks and you know season one references and maybe even things that we haven't seen before young styles i don't know but could be pretty cool i mean they had the photo of the kid you know like they had a real close-up of like a photograph of him as a child which was not dylan o'brien as a child i don't think that was like they had to get a kid to pose for that photo and next week's is called Memory Found, as opposed to the opening of the season Memory Lost. So, mm-hmm. I assume that it's going to be full of that kind of that kind of goodness. Okay. 
Um, okay, so we found the trailer for 609, so we're going to watch it and let uh, live reaction, I guess. <laughs> That'll yeah. be fun. Okay. <laughs> it's only 20 seconds long, so it's not bad. Okay. All right. Should we count down? Yeah, go on. Okay. Three, two, one, play. Next on Teen Wolf. They couldn't have taken everyone. They didn't. <laughs> if we can bring Styles back, we can bring everyone back. Look, something's happening. I'm going down fighting. Styles? They took everyone, not everyone. He's still locked in the jail cell. That was one of the questions we had. Yeah, was... because we didn't see what happened to Theo, whether he was <laughs> taken or not, like in the, in the scene in the police uh, station. He sounds so angsty about it. Not everyone. I'm that still wasn't good here. enough to be taken by the ghost yeah. riders. Um, Styles uh... looks like an alien, or whoever it is walking through the, the magical blue rift. The, the light, the white light. He's coming out of the white light. There's a lot of, like, um, oh, death metaphors. Um, yeah. But, and then, is it good. Liam that says, like, I'm going out fighting, like he thinks yeah. he's going to die or be taken or something like yeah. that? And interestingly, Theo is looking on, and I wonder if that's going to inspire Theo to fight as well. Yeah. Which would be kind of nice. I'd like that. Um, we saw a flashback to Lydia and Styles kissing, which is interesting. So I do think that we're going to be getting memories. a lot of those, yeah, found memories, like remembering these significant moments with Styles, which is like going to be a really nice walk down memory lane, I think, for fans. Yeah, <clears throat> nice. <laughs> And horrible, but nice. And horrible, yeah. I wonder if they're going to flash back to, like, remember that time when Styles tried to kill us? <laughs> good times, good times. Uh, hey, they have to remember the the bad alongside the good, right? Yeah. Remember that time he drove a sword through my stomach? Hmm. It's great. Remember <laughs> that time he chained me to a radiator and taunted me with a dog <laughs> ball? <laughs> That's your best Styles memories, guys, for next week. Oh <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or your worst. Oh, Can I just say, so I, I watched this episode that we watched, to, we talk about today, I watched it, and then I went to sleep. And then in, I had a dream that night about this episode, but I had a dream that Derek was in it, and there was a weird scene at the end where he was like a nerd with glasses, clearly I'm <laughs> getting a bit mixed up with the Supergirl um, and it was really, um, yeah, it was really strange, like, it was a weird scene, I think, where maybe Derek was, he didn't remember who he was or something like that, and it was just a weird little, like, cut-in reveal to Derek at the end. Anyway, unfortunately, he's not here, but perhaps he'll be in it in the next episode in a flashback. <laughs> oh my gosh, that yeah. would be great. Yeah. I would like that. Anyway, okay, we should wrap up this episode. Okay, I have definitely a good one. I have one oh. piece of feedback from the Facebook hub. Yes, um, that said from Jill Cosgrove. She wrote a long comment, and it says, "Hey guys, thank you so much for doing this podcast. After listening to your podcast from the Heartless episode, I thought of a crazy theory. Do you think Mr. Douglas may be an ancestor to Theo? I mean, both have that kill or be killed mindset. Both would do anything to have all of the power." 
On another note, it may just be coincidence, but they look similar. Good-looking, blonde hair, blue eyes, pretty much the details of the Nazi supreme race. Sorry, Cody Christian. Um, or as we talked about <laughs> in the last podcast, um, maybe when Theo was with the Dread Doctors, they spoke to one another, had some type of connection. It could be the reason why Mr. Douglas did not kill him. I know it's a reach, but I can't help thinking of all these crazy theories, and it's because of your amazing podcast. I would never have thought this way before. Thanks again for doing this every week. I'm going to be so sad when Teen Wolf ends, but maybe down the line you can put it on rewatchable. Oh, I got... I didn't know that oh that was going to get emotional at, at the end. Well, I wouldn't be thinking of all of these crazy theories either if it wasn't for doing this podcast. Like, yeah. It's definitely an act of, like, kind of um, mental, um, you know, exercise to absorb media this way, you know, and it's definitely kind of the point of, of doing podcasts or writing recaps and stuff is is that your brain do does you, start thinking that way. Do you find it difficult to talk to people about television shows, people who just watch oh, them? Oh yeah, I can't week? I can't do it. Like I can't it's do it. It's so hard. It's 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 worse people who like watch the same thing as you, but like they're not on the same level, if you know what I mean. Like the, mm-hmm. the way they engage with it. They're oh yeah, you like this and I like this girl I work with oh my god I love her she's the nicest person I've ever met in my life she's a really big supernatural fan or she was as a teenager she's like oh I've watched you know I've got all the DVDs and stuff and I'm like I don't feel like I can ever have a conversation with you about supernatural we're not you're you're, you're gonna say something and I'm gonna say something on a totally different page and you're (laughs) just gonna think I'm crazy like it's it's not gonna work (laughs) We, we just can't have these conversations like I didn't I have not said this but like it's it's I've kind of just like, mm-hmm, yeah, I've, I've watched like, that. <laughs> like, like, some of my closest friends watch the same shows as me, but they're not fandom people, and they just watch it, and I try to be like, yeah, but what did you think about this moment? Do you think this is going to be significant? And they're like, I, I didn't notice. Like, <sighs> okay. I know that this is a thing, and I'm sure that I watch other shows in that way as well. I don't know if I do watch other... I think everything I watch now, I kind of do have <laughs> that part of my brain turned on. But... It is very difficult, and I'm sure it's something that a lot of people encounter in that they, yes, they, they are not engaging in, in the same way, and they don't notice the same things, you know, it's not even automatically like, oh, they know who every character is or something like that, and yet they watch, Game of Thrones is a really big one, because everyone apparently loves Game of Thrones, like, apparently, like, every person in the world watches Game of Thrones, for some weird reason, it's a, like, border call a television show in that, like, civilians are like, Game of Thrones. And they're like, well, I can never remember all the families. I can never remember all the people. I'm like, bitch, do you want a fucking essay? Like, I just can't. Um, <laughs> like, I'm like, how can you not watch a show and not realize what's going on? Like, why are you watching it if you don't realize what's going okay, on? Okay, to be fair with Game of Thrones, I, know Game of Thrones I am is that a lot. person. I know Game of Thrones is quite difficult, but I've read the books as well. But um, I know, yeah. so... I don't know, man. And I don't want to, like, judge anyone that does watch things for fun because there are lots of things that you have to do without fully engaging for, you know, leisure practices Mm -hmm. and stuff. But, yes, on my end, it makes having conversations. It's worse with people, someone who doesn't watch the show or someone who doesn't watch television at all. You can kind of be like, oh, yeah, I do, like, um, you know, podcasts or whatever, you know, television analysis. And they're like, oh, that's, like... And they kind of just accept in general that you're that like, thinking that way about television. People who watch the same stuff but do not think about it in the same way is is some of the most difficult conversations ever. Like, it's really, really tough. So, um, and it's certainly something that 
you become more trained to do when, oh, yes. every week I've got to come on and, and I've got to have thought about the meaning of everything I've just seen. Um, it's certainly something that, you know, takes, I don't want to say takes practice, but yeah, becomes habit, I think is, is more of a way of putting it. Yeah, definitely. So long story short, we feel the same way. Thank you for listening. I like your theory. We'll just have to see what happens, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I don't know if um, they would be related. I'm still very confused about the relationship between the two of them, about how they have the information. A couple of other um, little messages, and I'm not trying to, like, encourage the haters, because I'm sure I've seen this account before as no- normal and, po- and positive. We had one Twitter from Sean Ferguson, one tweet who said, worst episode in seven years. And so that's an opinion to have, I suppose. Like, I'm not sure that I would have called it the worst episode in seven years. I, I saw a few people, including friends of ours, react pretty badly to the Nazi thing. Like, why have they, why have they done this? Like, why has there got to be Nazi plots and everything? So it could have been to do with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that's certainly not... I do not think this is the worst episode in seven years, but that's... that's some people felt that strongly about it. Um, Peter is always telling people to run like hell. Um, yes, I did like the bit in in his fight scene when he was like, why aren't you running? Like, he's like, oh, you people are so <laughs> stupid. Um, that was from, um, how do you spell this? Um, the, Velt, the Veltal Prince. At the Veltal Prince. And I wanted to make a, a Harrison Wells joke in there somewhere, but my brain just wasn't working. Um, I don't know. I, I know I know who that is, but I don't know what jo- the joke would be. Um, run, Barry, run. Is he, like, is he not evil? I thought he was evil. I mean, it's complicated. Okay. Uh, to Courtney Barr, so at Courtney Barr 4, tonight's episode of MTV Teen Wolf was wonderful. Uh, probably my favourite episode this season is up there. So, yes, certainly some positives and apparently some negatives. Um... And, yeah, people are really pinning that Lyndon Ashby scene as the, mm. um, as, sorry, I just saw a very strange, um, tweet, the Lyndon Ashby scene with the red string as, as the best, best part of the episode. So, yeah. Yeah, it was great. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's wrap this up and, uh, bring us ever closer to next week's episode nine Getting close to the end of the first half here. Mm-hmm. Very exciting. Yes. So we will be back again then. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, this is Jeff Davis. You're listening to Not Another Teen Wolf podcast, my favorite podcast in the world.